You're listening to Mind Matters Counseled Culture, and uh, today we're going to be speaking with Mark Yarborough. Uh, we talked a little bit about Romans 12 last time, and uh, Romans 12 as a uh, a way to work through our pain. This is a great conversation uh, with uh, referencing a quote from Paul Tripp. One of the things he was saying, you know, in this whole idea of people comparing, I've had, you know, this and I've done all this good stuff, God, and this is what I get, is that we tend to worship the created thing. Meaning I believe that, you know, I've done all the right things and this is what I get because really what I'm focused on is the outcome that because I've done all these things, I deserve a great husband, a great family, right. a amount of money, like just all of that. And we're focusing more on the created thing. And where we're not focused is eternity, what you just alluded that's right. to. That's right. Yeah, that's our temptation as uh, beings that live in this world. Uh, I love your phrase when you're saying that in terms of the outcomes. Mm-hmm. And it is a misguided uh, place of resolve. And look, every human being can find themselves in a misguided place of resolve. And what the Lord asks us to do is to keep our head up and our eyes on him. The author and the perfecter of our faith, the Lord Jesus, that is going to get us out of this mess and and has paved a path of a glorious day to come. And again, that we are never promised that uh, it would be easy, but he did promise that it would be worth it. And that's what we need to keep reminding ourselves on. Yeah, I love the scripture in Isaiah, if you're talking about renewing the mind and God's mercy is, you know, Isaiah 26, 3, you know, Mm -hmm. he will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And so, you know, one of your points in that talk was renewing the mind. We've hit on that. It's hard for some people because I think they give up after a couple of tries, right? right? Sometimes you have to I mean, I'm telling people like this isn't just a one and done thing. You know, you're not going to go to the gym and start lifting, you know, 25 pound dumbbells and do you, you, this is a journey. You're building this up and and it's the same with renewing your mind. You might have to do 50 times a day. Yes. I'm with you. That's exactly what it is. And this is a, a building good habits and walking with other believers. That's why, you know, I mean, of my three simple points out of Romans that I, you know, frequently talk, and we've kind of talked about every one of those, of the importance of, you know, remembering the mercies of God and renewing our minds, which is really ties into this final point here. You know, when we talk about renewing your mind, it's like if we feed the the news of the world in and the negative thoughts, and I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking here, I'm talking about choosing to daily feed on the goodness of God. And then there yeah, that begs the question of how do we do that? I do know that, um, you know, uh, the first computer programming class I ever took at the University of North Texas, trust me, I found out in that class, I am not designed by God to be a computer programmer. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. But um I can remember this world-class individual walked in and he walked on stage. There were like 300 people in this massive class. And he walked out on stage on the very first day. And uh, he said, trash in, trash out. What comes in will go out. 
And I still remember it to this day. You know, what a great lecture. He said those words. I was like, oh, that's, that's masterful. I started applying that to our walks of faith. And I realized that frequently, you know, we look at either what we don't have or the problems that we do have, or we listen to the the trash of the world. Right. And, um, you know, things that are going to draw us down to the problems. And I am not here, here saying, you know, don't be relevant and to, you know, be Pollyanna-ish. I'm dating myself when I say that, but I, I'm not saying run from pain, but what I do know is that we need to be fed by the word. And so my last point that I generally talk about on this topic of not just, you know, um, remembering the mercies and renewing our mind, but I do believe that worship, you know, in terms of reunite with him in worship. That's what I generally say. Reunite with God in worship. And I'm not sure we've ever truly worshiped until we've worshiped through our pain. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's a different kind of worship. I've seen that of individuals that have suffered far more greatly than I. And um, I have learned, you know, uh, the power of worship through watching a Johnny Erickson Tata who has lived her life in great physical pain and has chosen to worship God and say, okay, Lord, if, if this is what you have chosen for me, number one, I submit, I'm going to trust you, but I am, I am going to worship you through the pain. And, um, you know, we do that by choosing to listen to God's word. We do that by, I really think that music is a great soother of the soul. I'm a believer of that. It it reminds us, it, it lifts our eyes into the heavens. And so when I say reunite with him in worship, um, that's part of how we choose to live in that context, by the way, is living sacrifices. Mm-hmm. It means that we we connect with God in a very unique way and and say, God, please lift me, lift my thoughts into the heavens, because that's where I will be with you for eternity. And I get a taste of it now, knowing what is to come. Mm. I think what you're saying is the first piece is moving to a place of acceptance in the midst of the pain. And yes. I think we're designed to hold both. You know, we we tend to look at life as yes. either terrible or it's great. And really, God's designed us to hold both. It's it's a it's an and both. It is a both and I'm with you. Yep. Yeah, we can be moving towards growth or whatever while still being in the suffering. I mean, Paul, you know, in prison, you know, when Jesus appeared to Paul and encouraged him with the words, be of good courage. You know, that's how God planned for Paul to experience life and to glorify himself. Yes. This is what was chosen for him, prison, right? Yes. And, you know, the moment that I can, and this is tough, I mean, it's slow work, but moving people to a place where they can accept it so that they're not fighting the wrong battle, because then I'm fighting against God, I'm fighting against whatever, but once I can come to the place and surrender my right to have things my way or to be pain-free or to whatever it is, right? I was talking to a client this morning about surrendering the right to be understood and be willing to be misunderstood and trust yeah. Jesus as your security. Yes. With yes. that. Oh, that's good. That because is so good. when you're not willing to, then you're going to be left to your flesh 
and all the coping strategies that come along with that to try to manage the pain and and you know I'm going to drink I'm going to do drugs I'm going to sleep right. have sex I'm going to do whatever find an escape sure find an escape right yep yep um, and so oftentimes I think we also feel like well what's the point of all this suffering you know what what's the point if we don't see results or anything good coming of it. Yes. What do you think about that? Like, because somehow, you know, is there a point? People ask that question. What's here? Yeah. I mean, I think in one sense, it's okay for us to say, I don't fully know the point. I do think that there's a good position to be in. But but the response of I do believe of that maturing believer for and that's every one of us that we're supposed to be in that role of saying, well, I don't have it figured out. I can say, Lord, what are you continuing to teach me mm-hmm. either as you leave me in this situation? Uh, as you have allowed me to be in a situation that I did not design, maybe I caused it, maybe I didn't cause it. You know, there's a whole theology right there of. Sometimes we create our own messes and sometimes other people create them for us. That's right. Exactly. And then sometimes you can't even explain it all, but we do under the hand of a sovereign God, he allowed it to occur. And um, so I do think it's a fair question to say, number one, I don't fully know. And sometimes on this side of eternity, we won't. I think there's another response that says, Lord, even in the midst of it, what is it that you can teach me and how can I grow through it? And sometimes it's one of those things, as you yourself know, it's to take that pain and he asks us to help others that are in that same situation. Uh, I think I found that to be true in my life. You know, the Lord will take our pain and sanctify it and use it for his glory if we let him. And sometimes we thwart him in that regard. And we become so uh, self-absorbed with our own pain that we don't ask that question and say, Lord, will you use this for your glory, not just in my life, but even in the life of others, maybe where I can come alongside. And, um, you know, that's that is one of the 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 side um, realities of pain. If we if we let him use it. He wants to use it through us to help walk with others in their pain. Oh, look, my life verse from Mm. all, like when I wrote my first book, Shattered, that was right before, released right before Mike took his life. And the verse God has given me is the one in Luke, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I pray for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. So. Look, Satan, we have an enemy and he's out to steal and destroy us. Yes. Good news is Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the father interceding on our behalf so that when we do find some healing, we can turn back. And like you said, strengthen our brothers. Amen. Amen. You know, speaking of speaking of Peter, uh, I was just out this weekend and I was listening to a dear friend of mine uh, speak and he was really talking about the role of. anxiety that was actually his message and it was a wonderful message um but you know he was talking about the movement of peter you know one of those moments that we see peter in the in the boat with jesus with other disciples right and you know they wake up the lord jesus there they were on the sea of galilee don't you care lord (laughs) you know we're about to die we're having some problems here and you're sleeping you know i mean it's so peter right i mean you know open mouth insert foot peter and uh 
you know, we know the challenges in the life of Peter, right? And we know his denial and we know the restoration that the Lord does in, I mean, feed my sheep. And, you know, then we see this boldness in Peter. He grows, doesn't he? He matures in the faith. Yeah. And I love it. One of these early moments in the book of Acts, right? After Peter was arrested and from all practical purposes, he was going to be executed. Now, God did a miracle and delivered him. But you know where Peter was the night before he was in all likelihood going to be martyred for his faith? He was asleep. asleep. He was trusting the creator. And I thought, what a, I had missed that. What a beautiful picture of moving from our fears to a strong position of faith. Mm. And that's the journey that every one of us are on and that the Lord asks us to grow and to trust him. And to, in the worst of our circumstances, to say, okay, God, you got this. I'm trusting you. I'm handing it to you. I know I'm hurting. The pain hadn't gone away. I'm in the midst of a mess, but God, you know this situation and you got it. And you have paid the price for this pain. And even though you're asking me to to stay in it, I can't understand that. I can't explain it, but I can trust you in the midst of it. And I thought, what a great picture that I'd missed all these years. There was Peter chained up in all likelihood from his perspective, tomorrow he was going to be executed. Now, we know the story in the book of Acts. God did an amazing thing. His life and gave him more years until he was asked to give his life for the gospel. But he learned how to trust even in the midst of fear. Yeah, I think that's it. Richard, anything that's going through your head? Yes, a lot. Uh, You have... uh... You've really opened up my eyes a little bit here, too, because uh, Romans 12 always been a cornerstone verse in my life, uh, I mean, a chapter in my life. And, um, you know, I've, I've, always, I've always used it as far as a n- not so much in pain. Uh, and, uh, and, and as it's, it's almost therapy when you think about it, because here you, you start off with offering your bodies, uh, but, uh, but you're also renewing your mind. Uh, and so much of worship is, is mind. And if, and this is something that I have always said, this is my daily exercise. This is what I need to do on a daily basis, whether I'm in pain or I'm not in pain. Uh, and then, uh, as as you so uh, put it well, and uh, you know from the from the Psalms, that look up uh, uh, part, it, it, and uh, and and then worship, uh, and uh, the sacrifice of praise, and uh, I never thought about it before. And then I was thinking about Paul and this thorn that he has. This is his daily yes. exercise, and uh, it just um, it just occurred to me that uh, of, of course I'm I'm reading into it, but maybe I'm reading into it in 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 a correct way. Is is that right, Mark? I think you're reading it into it a right way. I mean, that's what I'm saying is that you know notice the language that is used there, and um, yeah, I could really unpack twelve one and two as a whole. When Paul chooses to use that word, you know, he's already led us of saying, hey, when you're committing yourself to God, right, this is your spiritual act of worship. And we've all heard that phrase before, right? Our temptation is to crawl down off the altar. (laughs) But look, the language that he uses is do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
You see, this there is a dynamic of transformation that comes about even looking at my circumstances, which may be horrible, but there can be a, a transformation that occurs through that issue of worship and remembering what God has said. And then I love that, you know, it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And his will is that I be transformed, even in the midst of good moments, bad moments, suffering moments, that he He calls us to see who he is and to have a different perspective as opposed to the pattern of the world. And his word allows us to do that. The working of his spirit allows us to do that as we submit ourselves to him. Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, too, like when we become Christians, you know, we're new Christians, we, we somehow... I don't know, maybe this was back when I became a Christian, but you think there's this kind of belief that floats around that I've become a Christian now and everything's going to be great and life's going to be smooth. I mean, people still, because really Jesus never promised that. And I think you've hit it like he's, he's in the business of transformation. And unfortunately, that generally happens in the crucible of suffering. Oh my goodness. You're spot on. That's why in one sense, you know, coming out of the West and I'll save my horrible exports of horrific theologies that has come out of the United States, the health, wealth, and prosperity that we have shipped out to the rest of the world. You know, um, Jesus is very clear about suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, He is the model of suffering. You know, it is, it's we're called to the way of the cross and that is expressed. I don't understand this. That's expressed differently. And the realities of that will be different for every one of us, but we're asked to trust him in the midst of the mess of the world. And there you go. And so um, thinking about that, yeah, that's just a horrific uh, theology because Jesus himself clearly says, this is not going to be easy. The way of the cross is painful and it's it's different for different people in different circumstances. And I would even say this too, it's different for different people in different circumstances at different times in our lives. There's the ebb and flow of suffering. We're like I said, I said this a minute ago, we're all gonna have it. Mm-hmm. This doesn't end well for any of us. You know, you know, I've said that a couple of times on this call, and I don't mean that to be, you know, Debbie Downer here, but I'm just saying, you know, I frequently start off this way and I'm like, hey. When I'm talking to people and when I'm preaching on a regular basis and, you know, my response is to say, hey, how does it how does it feel to be terminal? You know, we're all heading to the grave and I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to do that, to walk around and think of that every moment. But I'm saying we're in a mess. So are you thinking about the mess or are you thinking about the Messiah who has paid the price for sin? And his giving, I want to think about that. That's the renewing of our mind. That's the worship. That's the transformation that can occur, that can get me out of, of this and get me into what God has promised. The best is yet to come. And um, in the midst of our horrific moments, we got to keep telling ourselves that over and over. The best is yet to come. I'm going to keep trusting until I get to that best that is yet to come. So when you talk about worship, it doesn't just have to be singing. No. Because, you know, give people some ideas of about that. I mean, obviously, singing and music are great. Sure. You know, are there other th- ways that people can worship? Oh, of course. People? Well, in one sense, you know, how we live our life is a perspective of worship. 
I think it's it's uh, renewing the mind through God's word. Uh, that's why I'm a real believer in that. I really mean that. I am a believer in reading, listening to God's word for my own walk. Um, you know, I've, I've turned that into a habit. Every day I'm going to listen to God's word. As I physically work out, um, I listen. I let God's word pour over me. And when I'm done, I just start it all over again. If I'm going to be working out for 15 minutes, I am engaged. Uh, um, I've just started over again. I'm in the <laughs> I'm in the uh, very challenging passages of Leviticus right now, currently. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a good workout as you're listening to all the sexual laws of chapter 18 of Leviticus. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm in that part of the book. But you know yeah. what? All of God's word is precious. Right. And I want to I'm I'm in the law right now and I'm listening to the mandates that he gave for the, the children of Israel. Right. And and I want to just keep I want to let God's word just wash over me. And, you know, there's a lot that I do. There is worship and prayer. And, um, you know, most believers that I talk to, myself included, I am not the man of prayer that I want to be. I'm just saying that for myself. You know, we're all a little like the disciples, you know, when Jesus says, Peter, James and John to go with him. Right. And, you know, we're the people that fall asleep. And he's like, hey, can't you can't you even stay awake to put prayers hard, isn't it? It yeah. really is hard. And uh, I know some people, you know, that um, are women and men that are on their knees on a regular basis. And that even that posture before God that reminds us of who we are. Well, one of the ways that I worship personally um, is I worship God by being outside. Something happens to me, you know, we're people of what I call we're many of us. That's not certainly true of all of us, but, you know, many of us are people of the pavement. And, uh, man, there's something that happens to individuals when you have an opportunity to be outside and see the grandeur of God's creation. And that's why the Psalms are there, I, you know, frequently to understand the Psalms, right? You got to think like a shepherd and a farmer. And many of us have grown up in the city and in way too much pavement, and big, giant buildings. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that sometimes it helps us have a bigger picture of who God is when we get out of our own little environment and we see the beauty that he has created. We can worship when we're with other people. There's an accountability that comes with spurring one another on in the faith. Oh, there is. Being with God's people, it's why I'm just a huge believer, you know, in my role at Dallas Seminary, you know, Dallas Seminary exists for the local church. To be able to, to partner and to be part of a community where we are held accountable, where we have other people praying for our needs, for our opportunity to pray for the needs of others. Uh, that is a way where we worship uh, through journeying with life with other people. And, you know, we virtually lost that art. You know, a lot of times when our thoughts are totally upon ourselves, there's something rich that happens when we also identify with the pain of others and not just think about our own pain. You know that we've talked about that. My goodness, some of the ways the Lord has ministered to me is when I am realizing that I'm not the only one that's hurting and it causes and it leads us to worship God together with others that are in similar circumstances. So these are just some of the things off the top of my head. And no, that's that's awesome, Mark, because I think, you know, all of that, too, makes us feel less alone. 
That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And we're in a, we're in a lona culture, aren't we? Absolutely. And that's we a are. dangerous place to be. I was telling my class just this morning, I was saying, you know, we live in a world where um, we live in a world of isolation. And I, I'm one of those individuals that I watch, you know, National Geographic. I, I just love the outdoors. I'm a man outside and I love it. And, you know, you know, that 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 clip that we've all seen before, right, where it's, uh, you know, the the antelope are all there together. Right. <laughs> and, or we're watching this herd and then creeping over in the weeds that they don't see. Right. Is that vicious lion. Right, right. I don't see what's happening. And then you start watching that one bust out of the herd and you're going, little deer, get back in the herd. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, the camera pans and it wham. And um, unfortunately, even in our pain and suffering, if we find ourselves in isolation, we are a setup for the evil one to use that pain to move us away from God, as opposed to us being with the herd, other believers that can move us towards God, even in the midst of that pain. Yeah, you're right. Amen. Well, my friend, thank you so much for this. I know how busy you are. It means a lot that you joined us. You're so wise. The work you're doing at Dallas is incredible. Um, Just honored to have you. Well, friend, it's always good to see you. Thank you for your life and your ministry and how you are um, walking alongside of many hurting people. So keep it up. And uh, we're cheering you on from this side. And whenever I get to see you, travel with you, be at a conference with you, it's always a pleasure. And I'll look forward to that uh, here in the months ahead. So until then, yeah, that was Mark Yarborough and uh, from Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Richard Beatty, and I want to let you know that uh, Rita has a lot of things coming up, uh, and uh, you may want to get on her website, uh, ritasholte.com. That's pretty easy to remember. Uh, her last name is spelled S-C-H-U-L-T-E. And Rita has a lot of workshops coming on uh, on, on Zoom, and so uh, really easy to uh, find out more about uh, what Rita is doing by getting to that website, ritasholte.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-E. I'm Richard Beatty. Uh, next week, we will continue our conversation on Mind Matters, Counseled Culture. 